0: Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Fund Loans, an exception based non-QM and jumbo wholesale lender that provides a make sense lending experience. Get connected with fun loans by logging into the AIM member portal at brokersofbetter.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Broker to Broker podcast. My name is Mark Summers. I am the AIM president of membership, along with I'm a broker owner uh, here in Michigan. So I'm just like most of the people listening to this uh, today. Very, very excited, um, you know, especially because this is right before Fuse. So, and, and this individual is going to be part of it. And I can't wait to just, everything that's coming together, I can't wait to see what happens here. So today I just want to uh, introduce a mortgage broker with Most Home Loans. His name is Michael Most. Michael, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Did he?
1: Appreciate you having me. Thank you.
0: Oh, no, no problem whatsoever. Okay, let's hop right into this. You know what I mean? I think everyone's excited for Fuse. That's probably listening to this. Tell me how, give give me the lineage of how you got started in this industry. I love hearing people's backgrounds. Um, even if you can go back a little bit more and tell me like what experiences you had, because you know, it, it's, I just love hearing how people get into this industry or use their prior experience.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. So um, I have a, to me, at least an interesting story of how I got into the business. Um, I grew up my whole life um, reading law books and I'm not talking about like real law books I'm talking about like David Balducci and like stuff like that where like I was just fascinated by being a criminal litigator you know defending criminals or working for the DA and I wanted to be a lawyer and I grew up uh born in 77 so the 80s 90s that was like a pretty prestigious job still is somewhat today but uh you know it was the thing like you were either going to be I come from a nice Jewish home you were going to either be a doctor a lawyer an accountant almost in that order. Uh, so I took the middle road. I was going to be a good lawyer, right? Um, so I go to school. I'm all ready. I'm getting prepared. And I meet a guy. So I'm Orthodox Jewish. And I meet a guy in a synagogue on a, on a weekend. And we're just talking with each other. And he says, what are you doing for your resume? And I was like, I don't know. Like, I want to build up my resume to get into law school. Like, you want to show, you know, stronger besides your GPA. He said, I have a sister-in-law who's working in a mortgage business. And you could be in their closing department. And I was like, don't know what a closing department is. Do I do what a mortgage company is. And at the time, I'm like maybe 21, 20 years old, whatever it is. Um, and I said, uh, sounds cool, I'll talk to her and whatever. So this woman hires me. I'm still friends with her to today. Um, she was talking to me. This is 1999. Many of you that may be listening might not have even been born. <laughs> at yeah, there mortgage mortgages at that point. Um, so uh, her name is Javi and she uh, introduced me and we take the train back. I'm living in Manhattan at the time to Brooklyn and we travel back and forth every day. and she's destroying me with information on respanthilla and like escrow accounts and this is 1999 no no there was no NMLS there was none of this um, and she's training me like every little nuance of the business. I don't know any better so I'm learning all this stuff in like a sponge. I'm like, this is really complicated in some ways, versus I just thought this was gonna be like a side hustle. Anyway, she was really grooming me because she was going off to start her own company and she had to find her replacement. So it was like, fast forward, um, she calls me in one day and she's like, hey, you're gonna take over, and I'm out the door. And I'm like, a punk, I'm 21 years <laughs> old.
0: But
1: this is not the plan. Like, what What are you talking about? Where are you right. going? I don't have half your information yet. She's like, You'll be fine. So, uh, that happened um, and I got in the business that way. So I did the closing department. I then became a junior processor, a junior underwriter even at that point. And then it became, this was from 1999 to 2001. In 2001, I said, guys, this has been fun. After two years of my resume. I'm going to law school, study for my LSATs, I'm out. And they made me beyond a generous offer. I was working for an independent mortgage broker at the time. And they said, we'll put you through law school. Won't cost you a nickel and then you'll be in-house counsel." Looking back, I always wonder, like, at the point I was like, absolutely not. I thought, like, real estate was, like, ambulance chasing a little bit. And I was like, I want to be, like, in a courtroom. Like, I want to work with criminals. Like, that was my, I was a child, right? So um, I said, thank you very much. But no, like, I'm going in a very different direction of the law here um so they said okay great so we'll find your replacement and they did and they said while you're just studying for your lsats why don't you just do some sales on the side maybe you'll make some side money i said sure i don't really know how to sell anything walk to my manager's office he goes i have leads for you it's like okay not really sure how that means yeah mm-hmm. I tell this story and it still makes me laugh he prints out 20 pages for me i get there and what was it he went to yahoo.com and he wrote. Real estate agents in Queens, New York, and printed out 200 names of nobody. They weren't leads. Right, Um, right. like, start dialing. Now, again, I'm young, and I don't know anything. So I said to him, and he wasn't really a good manager either. He knew nothing. Uh, But he was a good, you know, I mean, BSer, if you may, and he was a good salesman. So he's like, if you call 100 of them, you'll have 20 deals in your pipeline. I'm like, if I call 100, I get 20 loans. I was like, what? Well, I was going to call 200. He's like, that's the way this thing builds. Every 100 you call, you get another 20 to 30 leads. Start doing the math. I was like, I could dial, no problem. Right. I started dialing. I called over 160 agents, uh, real estate agents, over the course of, let's say, two, three months. I just kept dialing every day, dial, dial, dial. And the timing was really impeccable. It was 2001. Um, nomura credit suisse first boston and all these not that these alt a products were coming into the market and i was just really really good timing fast forward that kind of led into put law school on hold for a little bit because i started making some insane income from our industry that went all the way to the boom um and so i was working at an imb at that point but by the time 2006 came and this is just kind of into like my history as as a lender if you may oh yeah Um, i got a call from countrywide and wells fargo they both wanted to take me on because the imb world is suffering a little bit with warehouse lines this is 2006 already right not like the end of 2006. so i sat down with countrywide down southern wells fargo i compared apples to apples i felt wells fargo seemed like they were a little more conservative. I remember this conversation. I called my dad and I said, Countrywide's offering me this amazing position with this amazing sign-on bonus. And they said I can control all underwriting. Like uh, basically I'm an underwriter for a national bank. Wells Fargo's telling me that it's going to take like a year to trust me, and they're pulling back all their LTVs by five, 10%. I was like, I was hearing two completely different offers. And my dad said, seven good years, seven bad years. It's like a biblical thing. And he's like, I don't know, but it doesn't sound like this is going in a good direction. And you guys have been doing really well for like the last number of years, uh, about seven years at that point. Um, And he said, uh, maybe you should go the conservative route. And I did. And thank God, because Countrywide, as we all know, had their last licks and Wells Fargo stuck around for quite some time. So I did that um and i was at the big banks and it was great i left from there an entire team started a company a mortgage division over at metlife with snoopy actually snoopy um <laughs> he was like our mascot it was great you come to open houses you could do an event with realtors and there was snoopy i gotta tell you like coca-cola with their red bottle, snoopy is like people just love snoopy like yeah it, it was great right it just puts a smile on everyone's face who and doesn't
0: was, love snoopy
1: it's just a great place to work. It was amazing. Um, they then got out of the business because they saw the margins weren't really there. So they kind of folded up. Um, and our entire team, at this point, we were like a 3 billion plus team, just based out of Manhattan, New York City. Um, and the whole team got brought over to start a retail partnership platform for Citibank. And this is when my career really went from like very good to like to the top. Um, I got there, was doing somewhere like $90 million a year. um, And I catapulted into like the 250, $300 million range overnight at Citibank. And I really started to understand that brand, that multi hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever the number is, that these banks spend on branding, really cross-selling branding. Like there's a power to that name. There really, really truly is. So I did that, but I started getting extremely frustrated with, you are constantly f- flying around between 30-year fixed, five-year arm, we're in the market, we're out of the market. Remember, at a big bank, you have a seat at the table, but it's a big table. There's investment banking, there's commercial, there's uh, there's auto, there's credit, right? So everyone's fighting within the the, the bank to get their piece of the portfolio, right? Um, mortgage sometimes leads, sometimes it doesn't, and no one's in control of that. So that like instability was crazy because at any point with the brand, you're always sitting on a hundred plus pre-approvals as an originator. And I'm talking to one yourself. It's frustrating when you pull through is 20% versus sometimes when it's 60%, right? Like it right. kills you when you're sitting there seeing the loans, you know, these buyers are buying, but you're not getting the pull through it's really, really torturous. So left there because the guy who had been running Citibank started up Capital One, and I went to their mortgage division, did that for two, three years. They, similar to MetLife, figured out that the margins aren't really there in mortgage origination, Um, but that was more, I would say, my entire career, Capital One was by far mortgage heaven, even though I didn't do the most amount of business, I did more at Citibank and other places, but like, that was mortgage heaven. I mean, the way they treated you uh, was unbelievable capital it was a great run um and then from there um the guys that were running it the national sales guys that were running it left and went to guaranteed rate so i followed them there to guarantee rate back to the independent mortgage world now this was a shelter shock for me mark you can't even imagine i do um mortgage i do independent mortgage banking correspondent whatever terminology everyone uses right imb from 1999 to 2007 from two thousand, the end of two thousand six. So two thousand seven, all the way to two thousand eighteen. It's eleven to twelve years. I'm at the big banks. I go back to IMB in two thousand eighteen. There's now NMLS. There's now all these regulations. And I was like, wait, like it was a shell shock for me to like really almost relearn the business from scratch. Right. um and I was humbled beyond belief. I had left. To rough, raw numbers. I left Capital One. I was doing about 260, 280 million dollars a year of my own production. My first year at guaranteed rate, it was about a half year. I did 28 million. Could you imagine? Like yeah. I like one-tenth. All of a sudden, like I fell off a cliff. All of a sudden, people weren't returning my calls. All of a sudden, realtors didn't want to talk to me. All of a sudden I have that big brand behind me. And I was like, wait, I, I did I make a mistake? Like, what am I actually doing? it was hard it was extremely humbling especially after being in the business for over 15 years at that point it was beyond humbling and to have to go rebuild yourself from scratch so that was 2018 was really rough year for me for my family for my livelihood 2019 came out with a vengeance i went back to like all those original things i do uh, meeting realtors developing deepening relationships also a slight little move there which is in 2018 I'm crazy. When not only did I leave the big banks, go to independent mortgage banking, I also moved from New York to California. So <laughs> sorry, I was like, you're looking at your face, and I'm like, why is he astonished by this? And you're like, all right, like, what's the big deal? Yeah. So part of it is I left Manhattan, where it's all these, you know, I mean, high high-end loans, and you know, I left bank to be an independent, and I also switched states. Um, thinking that like if you can make it there you can make it anywhere right uh, like the famous Sinatra song but oh it was rough uh, so really built myself out um, my most accomplished year I would say would be 2019 I went from 25 million the year before which was a rough year to 100 million it was like my mark I wanted to hit 100 million and I did um, from there started to go into COVID which we all know 100 went to 200 I was back up to the numbers I was at so then. COVID ends and things start to get a little dicey and I loved the bank I was at I was a guaranteed rate great company great brand great people Victor um John Palmiato the people that ran it like they were great to me they were I really didn't want to leave um but it came to the point where the margins just physically aren't there As probably still today they aren't there uh, the independent mortgage broker in the jumbo space that I spend a lot of time with it's really really rough so I said All right, keep talking to everyone about how do you switch over and become like a true broker? What does that really look like? And I'll tell you, for me, part of the transition, and I give a lot of credit, and I don't hear a lot of people talk about this, but for me, one of the biggest transitions was, well, there's two things I want to bring up. Um, Number one is when you work at a correspondent banker, the number one thing you do outside of correspondent is non-QM. Non-QM is true wholesale. And i learned a lot about how to originate and do wholesale business through non-qm and i give them a lot of that credit because if you have a bank statement loan dscr whatever else you're doing you have to learn portal-based underwriting portal-based disclosing right like different portals different account executives so that was the soft landing for me i wasn't so nervous going into the full tpo third-party origination world of brokerage because I kind of felt that, like, I was doing it already non-QM, but now can I do it for jumbo conventional and other stuff? Um, and everyone in this industry, I'm sure yourself included, I don't know your, back, your backstory, but, like, everyone just, like, loves to tell where they are must be the only place. You know, the big banks like, oh, this is the only place to work and corresponding is like the only place and brokers are like, oh, this is the only place. And the truth is there's a spot and I'm living proof. There's a spot in all three of them. I've done all three and I think they all have their pluses and minuses. Um, I'm happiest, again, I'm in current time, happiest on the broker side because outside of the transition, which was a soft landing, like I just said, from non-QM to portal base, I came to realize that as a broker, there's a true client for me when i was at the big banks and this is no discredit to them i worked for the brand so the brand whatever it was citibank wells chase wells fargo capital one metlife whatever the name is you are privileged to work for the brand they spend billions of dollars on the brand and i get it it's fair they spend on the brand the consumer comes for the brand there's a little bit of cross sell and that's what you're in for. So when the client calls you, you are selling the brand and what the brand has to offer and the rate that the brand can offer. And you are just a liaison between the brand and the consumer. What I love and where I think that I've been stripped of like all that weight on my shoulders as a broker is I have a client that calls me, they want to purchase a refinance or do some sort of financing, and I am truly a broker. Hi, Mark Summers, you need a loan? I am Michael. I will help you. I will call. I will check with all 50 institutions. I will be the broker in between. Transparently, this is what I get paid. Transparently, this is how I make money. This is how to put you know food on the table for my family. And my best in interest is truly just to help you, the client, right? Um, and I'm not selling my brand. There's no brand. I'm an independent, right? So um, I have found that to be the most rewarding part of what I've been doing in the last year, I mean, I joined in March, so it's about six, seven months at this point. I find that to be the most rewarding part after 24 years in the business of broker versus the other channels that I was under. So that is an
0: extremely
1: long-winded 17-minute (laughs) answer.
0: No, 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 Michael, trust me, it's all good. I mean, you hit on some points that I wanted to talk about here, but but I think, the, the one that I love the most is you You humanized everything, you know, like how you're talking about how you work for the brand and, and in my eyes, you know, the way I equate it is people, there are just numbers, you know, and the people you deal with are just numbers. But what you're doing over here as a broker, I've always said this before, I understand margins are better with brokers. We can do more things, uh, better relationships, but really at at the end of the day, it's more fulfilling, I think because you humanize everything and, and instead of just, Hey, I did a hundred million, and you have no idea what the hell that hundred million went to, and you can't tell me anything about that hundred million. But when you do fifty million over here as a broker, or even another hundred million, you can tell me that person where they work, what they did, how they did things, the trials and tribulations that they went through to get into their home. Yeah, great point. Yes. Well, so you're you're a big producer. It seems like, I mean, what, Capital One, Citibank, MetLife, you've been doing all this stuff. You 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 have your own broker shop. And, you know, like obviously you're doing great. You have a great attitude about everything, and you're a top producer. So what type of mindset do you need to have to be that?
1: Um, you know, that's a great question. I I give a lot of credit to a my upbringing. I'm also raising three children now. So I have a twelfth year. I have a twelfth grader, senior daughter that's in high school. I have a tenth grade son, and then I have a, se- a second son, my third child who's twelve. Um, and we talk about this all the
0: time. Can can I can I stop you right there, real quick, Michael? Because those are the exact same ages of my kids. Literally, <laughs> the, the exact same, all three. So I, I, we're on the same wavelength here. But go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Interrupt also you also have girl, boy, boy. I go boy, girl, boy.
1: Got it. Yeah. So I'm girl, boy, boy. But yeah, so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, And I talk to them about this concept of work ethic all the time. And regardless of generational things, you know, like I remember clearly my dad, I remember where I was with my father when I sent a fax and I was probably in high school. So this is like the mid 90s. And my father kept calling over there to verify they got it. And he couldn't wrap his head. My father was born in the 30s. He had me a little older, right? And I was one of six children. So we were raised in the 70s and the 80s. And my father couldn't comprehend from email to fax that things were traveling without physically traveling.
0: Right, right. I
1: feel like we're going through that generation, Mark, where I don't fully understand the work ethic or the entrepreneurial spirit necessarily of the younger generation today, but I know that they're not wrong and I don't fault them. And I'm not trying to get them to all become milkmen or newspaper kids, you know what I mean? Cause like, you know, oh, Tommy's gotta work really hard. Like I do think you have to evolve. And I do think AI and efficiencies and things like that can be used as a tool, right? Um, So the work ethic, I totally give that credit to my father watching him as I grew up. Um, I've always been uh, coached and trained. I think I have a little too much of it. So like when I talk to a coach or someone like that, they'll always tell me, why do you continuously need to run through a brick wall? You know, if you move five feet over, there's a door with a handle and you could just (laughs) open it. And I'm like, what do you mean? There's a wall, we just walk, like we go, like, you know? So I think it's generational. That's where that work ethic comes from. I don't want to fail. I, I don't feel like I, I have the opportunity uh, to fail, especially you can relate to this. When you have three children, you look at them and a wife and a family, you want to provide for your family. Um, and that weight on your shoulders, you find a way. I have always found, but to really answer this question, like that's where the work ethic comes from. But I've always found in this industry, knowledge is power so powerful here and I try because I have a bunch of loan officers that like work um, that I brought that I brought on like whatever you want to refer to them as a downline I look at them as colleagues more than anything Um, I don't manage them they do their own thing uh, but we're within the same platform Um, and I always tell them knowledge is such power clients can hear it in the confidence of your voice realtors can hear in the confidence of your voice and being able to say and it's not just a cliche be able to say I don't know For example, yesterday, one of the loan officers that just joined us calls me and says, hey, reverse mortgage, Um, who do we do those with? And I said, not sure. And she goes, are are we online with open mortgages? Never heard of them, but if you put me in touch um, with them, I'll make sure we get on, because as you know, in the broker world, it's easy to get on with someone very quickly. And I heard in her voice for a quick second, she was like, "Mm, hmm, oh my gosh, like you're not familiar, whatever. Not only did I take that opportunity, I pounced on it with her. I said, listen, Liv, I need you to know and understand. I don't do reverse mortgages. I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you and pretend I do. I've never done them. I can tell you where I'm really strong and where I'm not strong. It sounds like you've done a lot of them. I will help get you the resources. You could talk to the account execs for those that do the program, but don't have an ego in this game. And that's what, you know, I tell everyone like, if you don't know something, Go learn about it or tell the other person, I just don't know about it. And there's no, there's no shame in that. But I think knowledge is power. There's stuff I do know about understanding ability to repay, understanding debt service coverage, understanding the concepts behind the products and the programs and explaining that to people. It's kind of the joy that
0: I see in the job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, well, one thing, one thing we have here, Michael, is you went from New York to LA, yeah. right? Which... I'm not going to lie, I'm coming from Michigan to Vegas. Oh wow. <laughs> because we have we have Fuse coming up, right? That's why I'm going to Vegas. Um you have well first off, what's the biggest difference if you if you can touch on it real briefly, what's the biggest difference from moving from New York to we'll call it East Coast to West Coast?
1: Um <laughs> It's not a small difference. It's night and day, black and white. <laughs> it is, I'm gonna tell you. I don't even know, I'm here eight years, and for all my my Californians and my watches, I love you all to death, but I think you can all admit, I, I don't know if you're born and raised in Brooklyn and you're from New York. I don't know if you could ever take the New York out of you. I just don't know that you can. Um, I have, I'm talking very fast here, but generally I've learned to slow down Um, In New York, things are a hustle. It's fast-paced. It moves. The number one thing I could tell you is as I was transitioning, I would call a real estate agent and say, hey, maybe we could do some business together. And they would say to me this exact thing. Why don't we meet up? Um, Hey, Thursday, I'm going to be in my kid's soccer game at such and such field. Stop by. Let's hang out. And I remember clearly, vividly, Having that moment going, why? Why would I ever come meet you at your kid's soccer game? In New York, I had done transactions. I had done over 50 transactions for certain agents in New York City that I never met. Never knew what they, I mean, I could see online what they looked like. Never met them. There's two different cultures. And again, I'm, I'm exaggerating both points, but there are different cultures. There's much deeper relationships. In California, I find I found that the agents and the people I work with in California have genuinely become my friends. I like hanging out with them. I now like going to their kids soccer games. I like just knowing them as people. It's a different culture. Um, In New York, it's a lot more fast paced. Get it done. Be the best of the best because it's a little bit of that rat race in a good way. I find that competitive, you know, feature within myself. Um, So two very different worlds. I've kind of enjoyed the uh, difference between them but i'm also getting a lot of whiplash i, I won't <laughs> lie like, uh, my new yorker's like dude you, be- dude you become like so soft and and, <laughs> like, and the west coasters are like you're talking a little too fast in my life <laughs> so i try to find a middle ground
0: no that's that's awesome so okay so we'll still be on the west coast when we're at fuse um you have a, a session coming up why don't you take a few minutes here, if you can, to to kind of close out what we're talking about here, because first off, I appreciate your time. Everything you're doing, this this podcast is awesome, because you just go, 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 and I love it. Um, but if you can, take 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 a few minutes here and tell me about your Fuse 6 session. Fuse 6, see, I, I talk fast, too, because I'm Midwest. No one can understand me sometimes. Your Fuse 6 session, um, tell me a little bit about it and what, what points you're going to hit up.
1: Yeah, so I'm on a, the. You're referring to the diversity panel that I'm on, right? Yes. Yeah. So I find this one to be extremely. I, I'm a proud. So, like I mentioned earlier, I'm an Orthodox Jew. I'm a very proud Orthodox Jew. Um, the number one compliment that I get in life, generally speaking, and this is from secular Jews, so they're not Orthodox and or non-Jews. Some of my closest friends are pretty devout Christians and from and Muslims from like completely different religions. Um, And there's such a tremendous mutual respect and the best compliment I ever get from people is they're like, oh, you're like a normal orthodox guy. And I never at first knew what to do with that statement.
0: Is that a compliment or is that a...
1: Yeah, I'm like, well, most people, you know, they mean it as a compliment, but it comes across a little weird. Um, And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And you start getting a lot of feedback from people as to what that means. So what I'm excited about for Fuse is, and hopefully i am received that same way amongst the uh, panel and the participants at Fuse, but I, I'm hoping to represent as an Orthodox Jew, the fact that I've had a 24 year career and the fact that I found a ton of success in this industry, the fact that I do cater to my community as well as to other communities and trying to bridge or come up with any sort of gaps that might be between those communities Um, and how I do business in the community in what parts of the community can I not even break into even being an orthodox Jew that'll be interesting to talk about like a lot of people automatically assume that oh I get all the Jewish loans as if like you find someone that's uh, Chinese and he has all the Chinese loans. Like that's crazy right. to say, right? Um, it's not kind of how this works. Um, so there's a little bit of, there are some challenges in in those markets as well as are some nuances. So I'm really excited that we get this platform. And I think AIM and for like giving us this opportunity to be on such a panel and to talk about it. Cause for years I've heard about the black communities, the Hispanic communities, all the other diverse communities um, and it's really an honor that we have a seat at the table.
0: Yeah, no, I know. i I, I read some notes on this this panel. Um, and it, it's gonna be amazing. And for people that are listening uh, that are coming out to fuse or maybe you haven't uh, you know purchased your ticket yet or maybe you think you're just gonna go like last second thing, you know that's that Thursday we have well, Thursday and Friday morning we have three summits. It's diversity uh women's and uh what was the other one oh my god what am i forgetting oh va va i blew my mind there for a second and and the diversity we did these summits last year and everyone got great reviews but this diversity one really got some some darn good reviews and that's why we brought it back we were kind of hesitant at first you know because there's a lot of stigmas out there and and how much how much are people going to buy into this and it was phenomenal I mean, people just—they couldn't get enough of it. So, first off, I want to thank you for you know taking time out away from your family and and coming up and coming up to Fuse. You know what I mean? Speaking, I know you're going to have a great time, but but I also just want to thank you for being on this podcast with us.
1: Thank you, Mark, and thanks for taking the time. I'm excited to meet you in person next week. It's going to be exciting. Well-
0: it, it will be fun. It, it It's always a good time. It's uh, can be a little stressful on this side of the table, but you're gonna have your own stresses. and it's, everyone does, well not everyone does. a lot of people they just have a great time and that's what it's about. You know, it's having a great time everybody. So Michael, thanks again. appreciate you.
1: My pleasure. have a great day. Talk to you, you soon. too.
0: So brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere where you can download podcasts. Do me a favor, rate it, leave a review, subscribe to it. It helps us get the podcast out there and spreads the word that brokers are better. And Michael, you are one of them, my friend.
1: Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it.
0: All right, everyone. Have a great day. Brokers, are you looking for the best resources to succeed? The AIM Member Portal is your one-stop destination for everything you need. Get health care for your team, submit and track AIM escalations for high-level loan issues, join the referral list, change AEs, and obtain exclusive discounts. And you will have access to over 50 AIM lenders and vendors. Don't wait and sign up today at brokersorbetter.com.